James chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. James chapter 5. Our summer series in James is almost coming to an end. We have today and next week, and then it's over. And uh, we've made it through the entire book. But uh, in September, we're going to be in a series focused on small groups and discipleship. Uh, It's a shorter series. I I hope you make plans to be a part of it. You're not going to want to miss But James chapter 5, verse 7, as we uh, get close to wrapping up this book. But a few years back, we were living in Cushing at our old house. And it was nighttime, dark outside, and I was going to take the trash out. And so I go to the kitchen, I get the trash all ready, and I go to the front door. And the porch light was not on, and so on the other side of the glass of the front door, it was dark. And as I approached the door, I immediately began to see movement in the shadows. I hesitate. My heart begins to race. Blood pumping in my ears. Now, I know what you're thinking. Was it a mouse? No. Okay, this thing was too big to be a mouse. And so I'm just sitting there. Not knowing what this is on the other side of this glass that's just literally just right there. And so I flip on the porch light. And there before me was a raccoon. Now, this is not the picture of the raccoon I saw that night. And don't let this picture deceive you. The thing on the other side of that glass was a beast if I had ever seen one. His head, the size of a watermelon. His teeth snarling at me, his claws like knives sticking out. And I'm telling you, when he stood up on his legs with his stance, it was like he was four feet tall. He was a beast if I had ever seen one. And so there I am holding my trash, and I'm just looking into the eyes of this beast. And his presence like knocked me back. I was startled because he had come out of nowhere, completely unexpected. Having come shrouded in the shadows of darkness, only to try and ruin my night. So he's just staring at me, and I'm staring at him, those beady black, beastly eyes, holding my trash. And all of a sudden, I just holler out, Stephanie, (laughs) it's your turn to take out the trash. I'm just joking. That's not what I said. It's not what I did. Instead, what I did is I simply remained still. I stood strong, rooted to the spot. I maintained a steady, level stance. I would not back down from this beast. And so I persevered. I endured in the face of the beast. And I waited. And I waited. Patiently knowing that this moment, that this encounter would pass. And so I waited until that beast finally turned and disappeared, returning back to where he'd come from, the shadows of darkness. You know, the saying goes, you're either coming out of a storm, in a storm, Or you're about to enter a storm. You've heard that saying? 
Well, in a way, that's true of suffering. If you have not suffered in this life, if you are not suffering right now in this life, you will suffer in this life. On some level, and in some way, you will stand in the face of suffering. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's mental, physical, spiritual. Could be social or relational. And you may not know the why. You may never know the why. And here's another thing with suffering. You will suffer especially as a follower of Jesus. Book it, it's a guarantee. The world you and I inhabit and walk around in is the same world that alienated, rejected, abandoned, wrongfully accused, mocked and humiliated, abused and tortured, and then publicly shamed and hung on a tree, God himself in human form. What do you think they're going to do to you? As a follower of Jesus, you will suffer. Jesus almost guarantees this. Persecution, hardships, suffering will come. If you haven't already in this life, if you're not right now in this life, you will certainly at least eventually face suffering in this life, on some level and in some way. And its very presence will seek to knock you back because it will come out of nowhere, completely unexpected. Having come seemingly shrouded in the shadows of darkness to try and ruin your life. So what do we do? What do we do in the face of suffering, persecution, hardships, battles? What do we do in the face of suffering? Well, James is going to tell us two things in his concluding words. Maintain in the face of suffering perseverance and patience. In the face of suffering, maintain perseverance and patience. Meaning, until the Lord's appearing, i.e. He is going to appear So before then, until then, be immovable in the faith. Be strong and unwavering in the truth. Be rooted in Christ. All the while maintaining peace with your brothers and sisters of the faith. So watch carefully what you say, how you say it, when you say it, as we've seen in this series. Watch also carefully what you do, how you do it, and when you do it. Maintain peace with your brothers and sisters of the faith. Also maintain purity in your intentions and dispositions and actions. So in the face of suffering, persevere, endure. Also be patient, for the Lord is near. And that suffering, whatever it is, It will disappear. It will pass. It will disappear as though it never were. 
We're turning back to where it came from, the shadows of darkness. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be 10 months from now. It may not even be 10 years from now. But it will pass. Eventually your suffering will end. Because it's not the end of the story for those who love Jesus. Just as the cross was not the end of the story for Jesus. So James is coming to his conclusion, and this is what he says, verse 7. He says, be patient then, therefore, because of everything we've talked about, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming or appearing. See how the farmer, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? In other words, see how the farmer waits for the harvest? Patiently waiting for the autumn rains and the spring rains. You too, just like that. Be patient and stand firm. Be immovable. Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. Don't bite at each other. Don't be divisive with each other. Don't grumble and complain, or you'll be judged. And that should bring you a sense of urgency because the judge is standing at the door. He's just on the other side. Verse 10, so brothers and sisters, as an example of patience... In the face of suffering, let us take the prophets then who spoke in the name of the Lord. In other words, consider their patience in the face of suffering. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Persevered in the face of suffering. Another example, you've heard of Job's perseverance. You've seen what the Lord finally brought about for him. Don't you remember and know that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy? So above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Just simply let what you say be yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. There's this little airport just outside Ponca City. It's famous for the little Mexican restaurant in there called Enrique's. Some of you have been there. The homemade chips and guacamole, guacamole are phenomenal. All right, you got to have it if you haven't. But growing up, when I was about eight or nine years old, me, my mother, my brother, and my sister would go to this airport quite a bit because my dad would hop on this little small commuter plane owned by Conoco, the company he worked for, and he would hop aboard this plane and fly down to Houston quite often. And so we would gather there at the gate, and we'd say our goodbyes, and we'd watch him board the plane and then disappear up into the clouds. And then days would go by, sometimes a week or two. Of course, for me, the little eight, nine-year-old boy that I was, it felt like months or, or years went by. But then after that time, we would gather back again at the airport, my mother, my brother, my sister, and I, and we would gather at the gate. This was pre-9-11 to where you could just kind of gather right there at the gate and just wait. 
And so we would, we gathered there at the gate, just waiting for that little commuter plane to appear and arrive before us. And every time we got there before it appeared and arrived there at the airport. So we would be left waiting and waiting and waiting to where eventually we as kids do what a lot of kids do when they get tired and restless, waiting for a long time for something to happen. We began to say things and do things that we should not say and do. And then we would begin to grumble against each other and complain against each other and also just go to attacking each other. If you've ever had children, ever been around them for long periods of time, you know what I'm talking about. And so this is what we would be like in the waiting until eventually my mom would say, hey, knock it off. Straighten up. Get ready. See? Your dad is near. I see the plane coming. Of course, for a moment, we would kind of straighten up and knock it off, but then we'd realize, oh, it's still going to be a while before he actually lands on at the airport and actually parks and actually gets off the thing. And so what do we do? We get tired again. We get restless and bored. And so we go back to saying and doing things we shouldn't say and do. We go back to grumbling and complaining against each other until finally my mom would say, hey, knock it off. Straighten up. The plane is here. Your dad is just on the other side of that door. And then finally, after seemingly forever, the door would open up, and there would be our dad, our waiting over, and we'd go home. James is telling us, in essence, hey, knock it off. Straighten up. Get ready. Jesus is almost here. Your waiting is nearly over. He's just on the other side of that door. So be patient. Just like that farmer who waits and he waits day in and day out, especially in the dog days of summer, waiting for those autumn rains to come, or he's in the the thick of the winter just waiting for the spring to come, but ultimately what he's waiting for is the harvest to appear. Be patient like the farmer. Maintain that patience in the waiting, because our waiting is not in vain. James is reminding us, his readers, that Jesus is coming. As Paul said, it'll happen in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet. So be ready. Be patient. So quit grumbling like children. Quit turning on each other. Quit being weird or divisive or suspicious or deceptive with your words and actions. Quit being sketchy. Maintain purity among yourselves. Maintain peace among yourselves in the waiting. Let your words and actions be full of purity and peace. Be patient in these things. Yes, even in the face of suffering, hardships, persecution, storms, valleys. He brings up the prophets as an example and what they went through, but he doesn't list specifically what they went through, but the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us 
as kind of like a summary of what the prophets went through. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author mentions the den of lions, the fiery furnace, the wars and the weaknesses. Some of the prophets, he says, were tortured. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. Some were put to death by stoning. Some were quite literally sawed in two, killed by the sword, he says. Others were put in sheepskins and goatskins to be mocked and humiliated. Some were destitute. They had nothing. Persecuted and mistreated. Some, they wandered in deserts and mountains. They lived in caves and and holes in the ground. Yet, they were patient. They maintained perseverance. Meaning, their hearts and minds were firm. Established in the faith. Never wavering from the truth. Never turning from the true and eternal God despite the suffering they were in. They were rooted in the Lord, rooted in His promises, rooted in His Word. They maintained patience in the waiting and perseverance in the face of suffering, making sure that what they said and what they did was full of peace and purity. He then mentions Job. Anytime we talk about suffering, everybody starts mentioning Job. Everybody knows what Job went through. He lost everything and everyone. Faced with suffering, and he never gets his why. People try to offer a why, but he never gets it. But he was patient. He persevered until the Lord finally appeared. Finally. And gave him the happily ever after that he longed for. James is saying, While you're waiting at the gate of the airport, be like them. Be like the farmer. Be like the prophets of old. Be like Job in the face of suffering and hardships and battles and wars and so on. Speak like them. Act like them. Because one day, the door is opening and the Lord is appearing. So knock it off. Straighten up. And get ready. And remember, as Peter would say, remember at that time, at his appearing, after you have suffered a little while, because you will suffer for a little while, but after that, the God of all grace, or as James would say, the the God of mercies and comfort, the God of help, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He's pointing your attention beyond the now. He will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you in his glory after you've suffered a little while. So be patient Persevere in the face of suffering, for the Lord is near. Now, we all know what happened on September 11, 2001. If you weren't alive then, you've seen pictures, you've seen videos. We know the darkness, 
We know the destruction. We know the death. Well, in October of 2001, two months after that day, they were still, as we know, sifting through the rubble and the mess, just trying to clean it up. And among all that brokenness, they found a severely damaged tree at ground zero. So right there in the heart of all this darkness and destruction and death, they discover a tree. But this tree had snapped roots. It had burned severely. It had broken branches. It it looked pathetic and pitiful. Almost unrecognizable as a tree. It had suffered so much. You know, it's easy to read passages like this James chapter 5 passage and say, hey, just persevere, just be patient, stop complaining or bickering or whatever it might be, just speak and live pure and peaceful lives, even in the face of suffering, because the Lord is near. Well, near is really relative. James wrote these words 2,000 years ago. What is he talking about, near? And quite frankly, Many of us, and the church since then, we are severely damaged, snapped roots, burned severely, broken branches, on some level and in some way, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, social, relational. And for many of us, we don't know the why, and we may never know the why. But James is trying to remind us, and his readers who had lost almost everything, trying to remind us that whatever the darkness, whatever the destruction, whatever the death, whatever the suffering, just as the farmer, just as the prophets, just as Job knew, these things are not the end of the story. And the darkness of winter A summer is coming. A harvest will appear. A happily ever after. An appearing will happen. And the Lord himself will open the curtain. Will open the door. He's near. It's soon. He's just right there. And when he appears, he himself will restore you. And confirm you. And strengthen you. And establish you in his eternal glory. To live happily ever after. Just like that tree in New York City. So there it was, among this mess. A tree found in the face of suffering, yet despite its damage, despite the suffering, the tree was found to have life in it. So what they did is they removed the tree from the rubble, They placed it in the comfort and the care of the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation, who for the next nine years restored, confirmed, if you will, and strengthened the tree. So that after its recovery and rehabilitation, after it was restored and strengthened, so that the tree could be returned 
to ground zero. Now the memorial. And so in 2010, there they put it. There it was established and there it stands today, this green tree in the picture. It's taller than it was before, thicker, more beautiful than ever before. And the new smooth limbs that now extend from the gnarled stumps, they create a visible demarcation between the tree's past and the present. Much like Jesus standing before the disciples in his resurrected form, pointing at his scars. This was the past, this is the present. Today, the tree stands, as one person says, as a living reminder of resilience, of survival, of perseverance, and patience in the face of suffering. I don't know quite all the specifics, if at all, what you have suffered. Maybe you don't even know what you're facing right now. And I sure don't know what kind of suffering you will face. But I know suffering is involved on some level and in some way. As a follower of Jesus, you are not immune to it, no matter what. But no matter the suffering or pain or temptations or struggles or battles maintain patience and perseverance until the Lord's appearing. He's coming. He's near. Just on the other side of that door. Like the farmer in winter, know that the harvest is coming. Like the prophets in Job, maintain your purity and peace among each other. Be patient, persevere, stand firm in the faith. Be immovable, be strong in the faith and in the Lord's. And you will one day stand in his glory. And like the prophets and like Job, he himself will restore you, confirm you, strengthen, and establish you after you've suffered for a little while. You will stand as a living reminder for all creation, seen and unseen, of who our God is and what he has done for those who love him. And who knows? You might stand there and point to the scars and say, this was the past. This is the present. So therefore, until his appearing, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles Let us run with perseverance and patience the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was patient in suffering. He persevered in suffering. 
He scorned its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, saying, that was then, this is now. So consider him who endured such opposition, such suffering from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. Some of us, we think about suffering, and again, we think of a lot of things in our life. Mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social, relational. James is reminding us of the God of all mercies and comfort and grace. He knows suffering on an experiential, personal level. Name the suffering, he knows it. And he's calling us to not grow weary or lose heart. And the waiting not to grumble and complain and turn on each other. Not to start saying and doing things we shouldn't say or do. He's reminding us that he's just on the other side of the door. He's near. He's right there. So straighten up. Get ready. And know that no matter what your suffering is, after you've suffered for a little while, he himself, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, he's put a joy set before you, just like he did with Jesus. He himself establish you, strengthen you, comfort you, confirm you. And you might point at those scars of suffering and say, man, that was the past, but this is the present forevermore. So in this place, as we just collectively come to the Lord, maybe it's just coming to the God of all comfort and mercies and grace, saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. Or Lord, forgive me. Or Lord, I repent. Lord, fix my eyes on you again, the pioneer and perfecter of my faith. Help me to be like you. Help me to be like Job. Help me to be like the prophets of old. Help me to be like the farmer. Just coming to him collectively together, wherever the heart, wherever your heart is leading, wherever the spirit is leading. Father, we come to you We thank you that you are the God of the cosmos. You have created all things, seen and unseen. You uphold the universe by the word of your power. You dwell in unapproachable light. Yet you have made yourself fully and completely known in the person, in the man, Jesus. The word become flesh. As Jesus said, if we have beheld Jesus, we have beheld you in all your glory. Father, some of us have faced suffering. Some of us right now are in the midst of suffering, but no matter what, so many of us, we will face suffering. 
Lord, we thank you that you are a God who knows suffering. And help us to follow you as our example. You endured, you persevered, you were patient, knowing the joy set before you. Help us to be like Job. Help us to be like the prophets of old. Help us to be like the farmer. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, knowing that you are coming. Help us to be at peace among each other, pure in our words and in our actions. Meet us right here where we're at, Lord, for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. I'm asked that you stand with us. Weston and myself will be down here. Man, if you need prayer, if you have a decision to make, now's the time to make that or to come forward if you need to. We're going to be down here if you need to come talk to us during this time of invitation.